there, and welcome to the, the Yamcast. My name is Erica. And I'm Chris. And we are so glad that you are joining us yep. as we go through Hosea. We're currently in Hosea 4. This is where we talk about books of the Bible, but how they really intersect with the young adult life. Yeah. And we love young adults. We love campus pastors. We love we love everybody. I mean everybody, right? But, but this podcast is focused to those people. If you are listening to it and you go, man, I have a great question about that, we would love to hear from you and we'll deal with it later. So email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com or hit us up on the social, all the socias. I'm, just, not a I'm making it, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm a young. socias. No, but we're the Yamcast. Facebook, yeah. Insta, tickety-tockety. We're not on there. No, we're not on there. I just like saying it. It's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. For years as a youth pastor, I was the one that intentionally tried to sound like an old man. I know you did. Now I am an old man. So it's not intentional anymore. Ish. <laughs> it's still very much intentional, but I'm also not as aware that I'm being old as I used to be. Because you're like, actually, this is... <laughs> well, it sounds cool. It, it sounds yeah. cool to me. It's like walking upstairs from the basement with sweatpants on. Your kids are like, what are you doing? My friends are here. That doesn't happen at our house, but I'm just saying... It's like the, the great, I remember one of my friends had us over after school and she was just like, dad, what are you doing? She was horrified that her dad like was just walking around the house in gray sweatpants. She's like, I, I have friends over. And he's like, this is my house. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and so I'm getting close to that stage with my children, but yeah. here we are. So we have a shout out. Yay. We have a shout out. Right? Yeah. I always love those. It, it's going to be something that we, we have to get ready for. People are going to join the podcast later on mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying yeah so this individual wendy elgin okay local yeah yeah she said this podcast is amazing you guys are awesome do i get a sticker yes of course you get a sticker of course you get a sticker we still haven't given stickers to certain people that have given a shout out but that's not your fault it's mine i, I was gonna say because i have to yeah, two you, of them one me. of them i need the address but we'll Trust get me, that in no way are you to we'll blame for this but Wendy, you'll get a you'll get a sticker. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Yay! We are so excited to have you. Welcome on the Welcome to the Yam Fam. And if you started with episode one, it's it could even still be a year before you hear this. But in the meantime, that is true. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. But you'll be like, oh, we're like old friends by the time you hear this. We are, and we're old friends anyway, which is great. It's really true. Oh, that's so exciting. But yeah, I'm looking forward to more and more people just jumping in and going, hey, I want to shout out. And then they're on episode five, and we're on episode ninety-five it's by that true. point. You know? Yeah, you know. It's really fun. Yeah. It's this weird time warp thing we got going on. That is what, yeah, it's hard when they join later, but we also love that. So join. So Hosea 4. Yes. This is a big one. Well-ish. More verses than we've done yes. in the last few verses. It is, yes. So we should probably just verses. jump in and have me stop talking about ridiculous It's okay. It was a great matter. story. Great times. Uh, she doesn't mean that. <laughs> All right, Hosea 4. Here comes the read through. Verse 1 and then verse 2. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. So this doesn't sound good at all, right? It just does not sound great. And, I mean, I love in the beginning where he's like, the Lord has controversy with you. Like, just so you know, I'm not beating around the bush here. He's got issue with you because there is no faithfulness. You have no knowledge of him anymore, which a lot of that has to do with, like, passing down from people, and that just stopped. And then he also goes into the list of things that are happening. 
And if you read that list and you're like, huh, that sounds like where we live. It is. <laughs> I, love, I love the way you just did that. It all is. Uh, every piece of that is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting that if you're going to have controversy with someone, there is no worse person to have controversy with than the Lord. Yeah, no. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's that drama queen. You can have controversy with that person. That's probably okay. You know, you could have a, a guy that doesn't totally agree with you on something and you're kind of like, I'm creating eh, controversy yeah. with them. Like, you know, they're a weird person that doesn't really believe anything that's true or they, they're intentionally contradictory. You know, yeah. there's people like that. Yeah. Controversy with them, great. Controversy with the Lord, like you aren't going to win. Like there's probably, no way of winning, right? Probably so, not a good idea. Totally. You know you are in the wrong. Yeah. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. And bloodshed following bloodshed. Intense. Yeah. Probably not wanting to be a part of that. But yeah, that is the land we live in. All right. Well, that was it. All right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's more than two verses. <laughs> Verse three. Here we go. Uh, sorry, I just scrolled down. Therefore, the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the sea are taken away. So this really reminds me of Romans yeah. where they talk about the land groaning too and just realizing that it's not just us that has fallen or that is separated. Like the land also feels it. And so this that kind of reminded me of that. Totally. And we've talked about this in a few other places in the podcast, but there is this connection to humanity has an effect on the land mm. that mm-hmm. God needs to then rescue the land from us. That's crazy. And, and a sad. little And a little bit sad mm-hmm. that we're that damaging that the earth needs a break from humanity. And so part of his job is to crush empires so that the land can recover. Mm. Wouldn't it be great if we weren't that reckless? Well, it would be if we didn't, yeah. It's brutal. It would be great. But yeah, good good catch on the Romans connection. That is phenomenal. All right, verse four. Let n- yet yeah, yeah, let let yet let you'll notice. I know they here. come right yeah. right after each other. Yet let no one contend, and let none accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest. So what I hear here is basically you don't point fingers. <laughs> it's not their fault or their fault or their fault. Like it's all of everybody. Like it's everybody, and also. I think I will, like, we'll talk about this a little bit later, too, but the O priest, like, when you hear that, you think, well, they're the people that should be upholding yes. what's being upheld, like, what's supposed to be upheld, and he's basically saying, like, you're not, you're not innocent either, and you're going to feel this as well. Totally. And, and also, you haven't been doing your job. And the idea of God calling Israel out from the nations was to create a nation of priests, Right. This mm-hmm. this idea that there'd be everyone would be able to, to show and promote who God is to the rest of the world. The fact that the priests who are in charge of the nation of priests aren't doing their job. And when God accuses them, he knows their first move is going to be like, well, no, it's them. It's their fault. They it's, just won't listen. It's Jezebel. It's Ahab. It's, you know, you go through all the bad people of the Old Testament. You're like, it's all their fault. And God's like, no, 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 no. You've mm. got no one to contend with here. This is you. But yourself. This is a this is you're a part of the problem. Stop pointing fingers. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Verse five. You shall stumble by day. The prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. That's encouraging. <laughs> Verse six. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of, of your God, 
I also will forget your children. So yeah, this is kind of just showing the consequence, right, of their of their actions. Like they're going to be destroyed, they're going to be rejected because of the things that they've done, that they lack knowledge, that they've forgotten the law. Um, but also like it's not just going to end with you, like your children are going to feel this too. Like it's going to go for generations. Yeah. Because it's been going for generations, right? Like it's totally. not like this is an overnight, you did one thing. Because I think sometimes when we read these things, we're like, oh, you did one thing. Like, Gotti, they only they, they just did this one thing. And it's like, no, they've been doing this for a very long time. Like, mm-hmm. if we really look at it, like, God is gracious. If we know that to be true, then we know that he has been giving them chances. And then this is obviously what's going to happen when yeah, they don't I, take it. Totally. And I think so many people think of the Old Testament as being all judgment and, and mm-hmm. the New Testament being all love. If you compare the two, there's more grace in the Old Testament than people are willing to give it credit for. And there's way more judgment in the New Testament than people are willing to give it credit for. So my case is that God is consistent all the way through. Yeah. And when he's saying things like this, stumble by day, stumble by night, and I will destroy your mother. If you remember the context of where we're going in this book here, it's this idea of Hosea having to marry someone who's not going to be faithful to him. And so in some ways what he's saying is the judgment's coming for everybody. You know, your, your mother's not off the hook here, and I'm going to deal with her because I want things to be right, which could lead a ton of questions here of who exactly is the mother that he's talking about, mm. right? Is it the actual ancestor of Israel? Maybe doubtful. Or is it the fact that Israel has sold themselves out to Baal, right? Mm, okay. And Baal's got this wife and he's like, I'm going to destroy everybody. It, you know, nobody's off the hook here. I'm going to deal with them all. And in the end of it, you're going to know who's right and who's yeah. wrong. And in that sense, God's actually merciful, right? Mm-hmm. We don't think about it that way, but if justice leads us to the truth, then praise the Lord. Then it's what we need. Right. It's a good thing. So verse 7, the more they increased, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity. And then verse 9, and I shall, and it shall be like people, like priest. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. So yeah, we kind of talk about this, like no one is exempt now, when they're saying they, like when in, in verse 8, it says they feed on the sins of my people. So who's the they is that he's referring to? Like they are greedy for their iniquity. Is um, that... It could be the leaders of Israel. Okay. Which is probably the most likely based on where this trajectory of Psalm... Or of Psalm of Hosea, I, I mean, it's a poem. Hosea so. 4 is heading this direction of really casting judgment upon the leadership and asking them to not be who they are. So you could say, or back to the idea of the priest, right? Or mm, priest. It could mm-hmm. be speaking to those individuals. It also could be speaking back to the nations in chapter one. Remember, those are gonna they're gonna increase and increase and increase, but God's gonna use that to ultimately bring people back to himself. Yeah. So I can make the case for either. I think the most likely experience here is the the leaders of Israel are feeding on the the sin of the people. They're greedy for their iniquity. Mm. Uh really they're just they're yearning for something they shouldn't yearn, and they're getting more and more of it the more the people increase. So I think within the context of these couple of verses, that would make the most sense, but it's poetry and prophetic literature. Who knows? It can be, yeah. 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 All right, verse 10. They shall eat, but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore, but not multiply, because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine, which take away the understanding. My people inquire of a piece of wood. That is... Is that just... Brutal. And their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. 
They sacrifice on the tops of mountains and burn offerings on the hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth, because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters play the whore and your brides commit adultery. So, yeah, in the the beginning of this, verse 10 and 11, I mean, just talking about that we're, we'll, we'll keep wanting to fill something that, uh, well, this is what I at least hear, is like, we're going to keep wanting to fill something that only he is meant to fill, and we're just never going to feel like we're satisfied because we keep going after the wrong things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of those things will take away our understanding, us trying to constantly fill something mm-hmm. that's not meant to be filled by them but by God, um, but even just like almost being gluttonous with wine and that takes yeah that takes away and taints our understanding of who God is right totally and i think there's a this this idea here of chasing after an idol or a piece of wood chasing after something that is ultimately leading us astray from god did you notice in 13 it says because their shade is good and there's this interesting thing that's happening in scripture often where the individuals who are chasing after other gods or chasing after other things, it's safer there than it is to follow God. Mm-hmm. At least that's their perception. Yeah. So, you know, we've had this conversation before with people of, you know, they come to me and they say, it is safer to be in the will of God than not to be. And I totally understand what they're saying. And they're right. The, the safest, best place for you to be is in the will of God. However, it may not be, quote unquote, your safest route. Or the easiest. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But I'd even say safest, because if God is going to lead me to a place that's going to lead to my ultimate death, for his good, do I trust him enough to believe that's true? And do it, yeah. Or am I going to play it safe and find a safer God to serve? And there almost seems to be this kind of thing happening in Scripture, right? Mm. Whether you go back to the garden and there's the fruit, some have made the case that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a safer option than the tree of life. There's a number of places in the scripture where the tree of life is described as like these flaming fruit that are just like overwhelming. It's possible that Adam and Eve looked at the two trees and like, I'll I eat, can do that. One. I'll eat the easy one. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost this idea here of it's possible that humans are choosing other gods because they think it's the safer option of the two, which leads us back to like Chronicles of Narnia, right? I mean, you, know, you got Mr. Beaver. Lucy says he's a lion. Is he safe? And the beaver says. Of course he's not safe. No, he's not safe. But yeah. he's good. Yeah. But he's good. And I think C.S. Lewis is interacting with some of this idea here of just, he's not safe, <laughs> but he's so good and it's worth following him. Mm-hmm. He's going to drive you in some of the craziest places of your life. It's just not going to be a, it's not going to be easy, as you said. It's not yeah. going to be safe. It's going to be something bigger than that and better. But do you trust that or are you going to go, oh, oh, sticks, they're fine. <laughs> Let me look at this wood. I like those, you know. And so there's this idea of, you know, they're under the oak, they're under the poplar, the terebinth, because their shade is good. And you go, oh, Israel, choose better, right? Be better. Yeah, it, I mean, it just, it also reminds me of what we do too. Like we, what's easier for us is the tangible, right? right. So I'm going to find security in the tangible. Like money for me is tangible. I can right. see it. That makes me feel safe, right? Like, that's what a lot of times we go for. If I can't see it, then it must not be true. Like all of those yeah. things. And I think that's exactly why they were going after different idols because it seemed as though it was paying off. Right. right? And, right. and I can do this sacrifice and whatnot. Whereas with God, like it's not for our benefit. Like it's, or, mm-hmm. I mean, it is sometimes it is for our benefit, but it's not always what we want. Like he never does, right what we envision him to do, you know? And so 
you want something that's the sure the sure bet. Yeah. And especially in our day and age, we want the sure bet. We don't necessarily want the faith because right. it's that is scary. That's hard. That's not easy. It's not safe. Totally. Not it's not in our comfort zone. And I even love the way that you're stumbling over your words here because the the truth of, you know, you you almost just said it's for our benefit, but it's not you're totally right, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this idea, like it's really the struggle that we deal with. And so when I'm leading college students or young adults or, or, or student ministry kids, you know, who are coming mm-hmm. to me like, I feel like God's telling me to stand up for what's right in the lunchroom, but I'm going to get beat up. I'm like, well, what's right? Okay. Standing up. You know, mm-hmm. or, or uh, you know, I'm going to take this job because it's, it's better pay. Is it what's right? It may not benefit you. Because, yeah. More money, more problems, right? But, like, but or will, whatever it might be. Right, yeah. but it will always benefit you to do things God's way. Yes. And so if you're nervous about the job you're working and you're like, they're not honest, I don't love this, it's a dangerous place to step out in faith and go, I can't work here anymore. But it's probably the right decision, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but she gets me more or he gets me more. It is. It, it may seem more beneficial or quote-unquote safer for you to move into a relationship that is in your mind, more beneficial than what you're currently in, what are you going to do? Are you going to choose yeah. what's right or not? Yeah. Like there's that difference between what, cause I was saying, yeah, I mean, that's why, yeah, I stumbled. Cause it was like, it is beneficial for us, but we might not always see totally. that it's beneficial for us. Right. Like yeah. hard things. We usually aren't like, that was so great and beneficial for me, especially not while we're going through it, but yeah. Totally. And that's a great thing for us to learn. And so I, I loved that we were, that wasn't totally planned. So I no. love that little, that little sidetrack. That's good. Verse 14. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes. And a people without understanding shall come to ruin. Verse 15. Though you play the whore, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Enter not into Gogal or go up to Beth-Avon and swear not as the Lord lives. So we kind of see in 15 that division between Israel and Judah again. I mean, yeah, he's basically like, don't even come down here because we don't we don't really yeah. want you to <laughs> influence them negatively. Right. Judah's doing what they're supposed to be doing at this moment. So um, I know I kind of like that he's like, this is going to happen to you. Don't make this also happen to Judah right now. Right. Don't Don't let them become guilty as well. But I also think it's interesting in 14 where they're where he's like, I'm actually not going to punish the the daughter and the bride for going astray because you guys do it too. And I think we have we do have such a big division even today for like it's the same sin, but if a woman commits it, it's so much different than if a man right. commits it, right? And right. and even at that time it it was it was the same thing. Like if a woman commits it, it's it is the end. If a man does, we'll turn a blind eye, you know, like so, I mean, that's not technically all of what he's actually going after, I don't think, but it's just an interesting thought. And yeah. it's unfortunately the way of the world in yeah. a lot of ways. And so there's even a bit of a pushback here that's coming later on in the book, too, to some of that. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's good stuff. Verse 16, like a stubborn heifer. That's what, Compared to, that's what everyone loves to hear about themselves. To like a cow. A, yeah, like a stubborn heifer, Israel is stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in a broad pasture? Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. When their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring. Their rulers dearly love shame. 
a, a wind has wrapped them in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. So this definitely doesn't leave you feeling good. Like when we read chapter two, there was a lot of this, but then it actually had at the end a little bit of hope attached. Mm -hmm. You don't really see a lot of hope attached here. But Israel has gone astray, and really to get them back, as we've talked about, like you have to break that stubbornness. They need to be brought low where they kind of have been stripped bare and figure out actually who God is again because they've completely forgotten. Totally. And it's it's brutal. And to add one little thing to this too, the the last verse there, hopefully you're reading it with us and you catch this, but it says, a wind has wrapped them in its wings. Well, another way to translate wind would be spirit. Mm. And so you could even make the case here that these gods that Israel are worshiping have wrapped them around their little finger. And so God's going to come in. And again, we think of judgment as harsh and painful. But if judgment saves you from the person you're with, wouldn't you rather have that? Right? Right. That, yeah. And if, so if you go back to Gomer, Gomer's best life is with Hosea. And so Hosea swooping in and saving her from her own life choices is the same message God is doing to Israel here. He's, to Judah and to Israel. He's just saying, I, I am ultimately going to redeem you. You need to trust me enough to believe that that's true. And unfortunately, too many are going to doubt, you know, mm -hmm. bad things are going to come and they're going to say, well, God's abandoned us. In some ways, yeah, because he said he would, but he also said he's never going to abandon you. So he's still with you, but he needs this to happen so that you can learn the way yeah. you're supposed to go. And that's tough for us, but it's, it's really a valuable lesson for us to learn and kind of dive into. So speaking of diving into something... Let's move on to the deeper dive. <laughs> uh, this week, I'm just going to talk about this idea of, of taking the name. So in Exodus 20, you, you know, one of the commandments is you shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Mm -hmm. And so many of us read that as I'm not going to cuss, right? So OMG, I'm not, yes, touch, I'm yeah. not touching. Oh my gosh, totally. is what we will say. Sure. Yeah. And I'm going to make a really quick case to say that's not not what it's saying. We do need to take the name seriously. But I really appreciate Carmen Ives. She's a, a scholar um, who wrote a book recently called Bearing the Name and Why Sinai Matters Today. And it's an, it's an astonishing little book. Um, I'm put it in the show notes. And what she does in 240 pages is she makes the case, and really well, by the way, the word that is that we translate take or we translate there's a bunch of different ways to translate it. Take, bear, lift up. Uh, it's used all these different ways in the, in the Old Testament. And scholars have really fixated on do not take it, which usually we think of that as meaning vocally, right? We, mm -hmm. we aren't supposed to vocally misuse the name. But she makes the really good case, and I, I agree with it, is really what's being said there is you and I are Christians. We're saying we're following the one true God, Yahweh. And if we're going to say we're going to follow the one true God, we should bear the name properly. Yeah. Which would mean that when people look at our lives, they aren't questioning whether we really follow Yahweh or not. Which is a very dangerous thing for some of us to think about because we get into legalism and other things like that. And, and I'm not, she's not, she doesn't even go there in the book uh, and it's, she does a much better job of wording it than I am. But what I'm, I'm saying here is this isn't a legalistic idea of like you're never allowed to mess up. But what it is is saying, if you're going to say you're a Christian, be a Christian. And so if you're on a college campus, if you're a college pastor, if you're a whatever, I'm tired of pastors falling. I'm tired of reading in the newspaper, somebody messed up, somebody mm -hmm. did this, somebody did that. Be who you say you are. 
And part of what that means is that as a Christian, we don't say that we're perfect. We admit I'm far from perfect, but Christ has made me perfect in, in, in his blood and before the Father, that's who I am. So what that leads us then to is this idea of, of hypocrisy. And when you read Israel in so far as these first four chapters, you're not really reading Israel in, in, a, in a good light, right? They're not bearing the name no, well. And so what ends up happening is we usually view hypocrisy as something that we do that we're not supposed to do, right? That's not really what it is. What hypocrisy really is is we aren't really who we are supposed to be. Hmm. So not so much of what, what you do versus who you're supposed to be. And so... For me, understanding hypocrisy correctly, I'm not ever going to make everybody happy. I'm not going to, I'm going to let people down at some point. Like my desire is to walk with the Lord in such a way that my defaming of his name is minimal. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So even when I said on a previous podcast that like, I'm going to let you down someday, that's kind of a statement I've used with people over the years. My goal there is not, well, I'm going to get hauled away in handcuffs someday. So just be ready. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. You, you don't want to put me on a pedestal. I'm not the guy. Mm-hmm. That's not me. It's, it's Christ that you should be doing that with. And if you're going to do that, then, then I, I can't be ever seen as hypocritical, right? My, I'm doing my best to bear the name of Christ. And as I bear the name, I'm going to do my best to serve him well and to show people his, his name and his way. And as I try to do that well, you're hopefully going to be blessed by that. If you're not, then I'm going to admit it as opposed to walking around acting like everything's perfect when I know that I'm harboring sin that's going to lead to a blow up later on. Mm-hmm. And so when we're thinking about this through that the rest of Hosea, I really want us to consider this bearing the name idea. And what Hosea is asking is, Israel, you're not bearing the name well, so God's going to strip it from you and then give it back to you later when you're better. Uh, May that not be the case for us. Yeah. Maybe be people who are focused on the right things and and doing things the right way. May we not need to have that happen. Amen. Amen. That's really my point. So let's seek humility. Let's let's seek asking forgiveness when we mess up. Um, Have accountability. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally. With that in mind, let's go. Let's get practical. Let's get practical. Practical. So sometimes, obviously, when we're reading the Bible, we're like, what does this have to do with us? Right. And in previous episodes, we've discussed how we need to be careful to not go astray by following idols. And how can we maybe spot these idols in our lives and using the talents and resources that God has given us to further his kingdom? Well, this week, I, I felt I wanted to spend some time to really... Let us focus on not being like Israel. We kind of talked about that. That's a good plan. And like, how how can we do that? And can we agree, yes, to not be like Israel? Like, let's all agree with that, right? So can we remain to be like the faithful ones that despite the world and culture around us, we choose to stand firm. We we choose to take, as we talked about, like the not easy route. We choose to not be safe, right? Always going with, with what God wants us to do. So that doesn't mean that we're shoving things in people's faces. I think sometimes when we talk about standing firm or we talk about um, knowing our beliefs and whatnot, that, that means we like spout them out at everybody and almost like throw them in their face or like vomit it at them. And that's not what it's about. Jesus didn't do that. And that's not what we're supposed to be about either. But we choose to continually go back to scripture. I think that's really what it it comes down to. Mm-hmm. We are continually going back to scripture. So I was reading in Acts the other day, chapter 17, verse 11, and it talked about the Jews in Berea being of more noble character than those in Thessalonica because they examined the scriptures daily to see if what they were receiving and being taught and hearing was actually right. Mm-hmm. Can we be those people? Can we open our Bible? Can we listen 
to lots, like we listen to lots of different things, right? Sermons, podcasts, Bible study books, who, et cetera, people. Mm-hmm. And we take their word a lot of times as truth, but we really, like, can we be the, the ones that, that actually go back and find out if it's true? Like, we're the ones that are going to stand before God and have to make account for ourselves. And we can't just say, well, like, I heard it from so-and-so. And he's going to be like, that doesn't fly here. Like, it's our responsibility to make sure that it's true. And mm-hmm. if we're adhering to that truth, then we need to make sure that it's checking it with Scripture. Because that is, we know that to be true. Mm-hmm. So if we hear something that's kind of like, oh, that doesn't quite feel right then go to scripture and see if it is right. Because some of it might actually be true. It's just, just going against something that a preconceived idea that you already have that needs to be dealt with. Some of it might not be quite true. And you need to make sure you're not adhering to something that's not right. Totally. It's a great statement. And what it does is it reminds us that we need to know that truth is truth. Someone can, can proclaim something. They can say whatever they want to say but we need to be verifying it. We need to actually spend time in God's word. And we should be spending time in God's word like the person in Psalm 1 or Psalm 119 who understands that God's word needs to be meditated on day and night. I should Mm -hmm. be thinking about it all the time so that when something is said, I have a check in my spirit like, that doesn't feel right. Because Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's no guarantee that a pastor is not going to get it wrong. There's no guarantee that somebody's not going to say something that leads us astray. And so our goal uh, isn't to then point fingers at them, like what the priest is doing in the yeah, earlier this, yeah. this book, but to say, no, 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 I'm going to take this seriously enough that I know what's true and I'm going to follow what's true. Yeah. It's good stuff. Council Corner with Erica. So in our Council Corner today, we are going to chat a little bit about how someone can actually check to see if what is being taught is right. Because I think we say go to the Bible and it's like, okay, but this thing is like thousands of pages. Yeah. Like how do I really figure out if, if what they're saying is true? Well, first of all, they should have scripture attached to something. And then you can go to that scripture. If they don't have scripture attached to it, it's mo- most likely just their opinion or right. like perspective. And then that you can discard. Like Totally. We there are things that aren't talked about in the Bible. So some some of those things can be We've talked about that too. Like I'm taking a little bit of liberties here with where I'm taking this. This isn't necessarily factual. So there are sometimes those things and those can be if discarded. If you feel a little uneasy, then like that can be discarded. Right. But if they have scripture attached to it, that makes it easier to go and find, right? Totally. So reading the scripture yourself obviously makes that really easy. But if you just read that verse, because a lot of people end up just pulling one verse and what they're saying, the verse says, sounds right. So, for example, yeah, I heard somebody talking about this recently, and it's in Matthew verse twenty. We've, or um, I can't think of the chapter okay. off the top of my head, but they'll, fi- they'll find it in a heartbeat. Yes, but we've all heard this. We've all heard this, and we've usually heard it heard it at a like a church service, some worship thing, a Bible study, or something, where it says, "For where two or more, or three, two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them." And usually, that's the only verse you hear among all of the verses that surround it. <laughs> and it's been used so much to talk about gathering of Christians, right? That God is there with them when they are gathering together. And when read as just that verse, that sounds exactly like what it is saying. And that, and what they're saying is not necessarily not true. God is there, but God's always there, even when you're by yourself, even when what like he's always there. He's It's not just special because you have a group of people, right? Mm-hmm. But when you actually read it in context, so you read the verses that come before it, 
you actually see the idea behind it, that Jesus is actually talking about trying to resolve conflict between believers right? and how you go about that. And when you have a number of people that agree and it's backed by scripture, which means, you know, in my name, it's backed by scripture, then God is backing you too mm-hmm. to try and to come to that person and try and solve that conflict. Right. It's not that we are worshiping and praying as a group right now <laughs> and God is here too. That's God all God is there, but that's not what that verse is saying. And so that's what gets me a lot of the time is when people just take verses like that and you're like, but what's the actual context? And context is key, right? It's huge. And if you're going to read that verse in context, what I think it is saying is if you don't agree with your brother after having gone through all the steps you're supposed to, when two or three are gathered, meaning you have two or three witnesses that are all in agreement and all of them are walking with the Lord, you can kick that person out of church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a very different experience than how people read that verse. Yeah. So you're very totally true. right. So so when I'm reading a verse that I don't fully understand or I'm reading a verse that maybe other people have brought up, and if and if I'm listening to an entire message and really just one verse is being used, unless it's doing being done masterfully, uh, you need the befores and the after verses. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're in a dangerous place, which is part of the reason why we're working through entire books. It, it, it gives us a continual idea of context, mm-hmm. right? It's reminding us even to, you know, in this episode, we've talked a couple times already about if you're staying in the context of the book, it's saying this, this, or this, or this is really where it's heading. And when I'm starting with a verse, like that, that's Matthew eighteen twenty, I then move back to the paragraph that surrounds it. And I read that a few times. And then I read the chapter itself a few times. And then if I'm really ambitious, I'll even read the whole book a few times just to get a feel for where it's going. Which is ambitious. Matthew is a beefy one. It is a beefy one. <laughs> maybe just maybe just 16 through 20. A couple <laughs> <Yeah>. of chapters. <laughs> but if you start reading those chapters in, in context, you start to understand, oh, there's something really beautiful happening in this verse that I did not take from it at first glance. Mm-hmm. Because you're also dealing with translation issues, right? There are things that in Greek or Hebrew do not translate well into English. And so you might be dealing with that. And we've talked about that on the podcast a number of times. So, you know, I'm going to first read it in context. Then I'm going to expand my context out a little bit. Once I get to the nail, nailing that down, and I think if I come to a, a conclusion that I agree with, then I back away and I start reading a couple of commentaries or people who are wise that are going to teach me how to read mm-hmm. God's word well. Mm-hmm. And they're going to give me some context that's going to help me really understand maybe what's going on. If I'm totally out of line with them, then I'm probably out on a left field by myself. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm able to argue my position using a bunch of other scriptures, because I know scripture well enough to be able to kind of manage it and go, hey, did you notice that it says this in Hosea and it says this in Psalms and it says yes, this in throughout, Leviticus. not just this is one book to- that I'm totally. Pulling. Yeah, but it's. Common theme. Right. right. So I'll pull the context from the rest of it. And, and really, this verse, part of what the context is pulling from is this idea in Scripture that a kingdom of priests or a nation of priests have been called to become the leaders of a group of people. They are the judges. They're the ones who decide what's right and what's wrong. And at, at this moment, if we all agree and this one person is in disagreement, they need to follow us. They need to come into fellowship with us and choose to be like us. Because they're in the wrong. And if they don't agree to that, then we, we need to let them wander away from the fellowship. They've already done so, right? Mm-hmm. But we need to give them that. And so this is a, that's a great verse to use. I love that you decided to use that one uh, for this because it's a great chance of context. But I would apply this same principle to Jeremiah 25, 29, 11. Oh, I was thinking right? the same <laughs> you know thing. I would, I would apply oh. the same principle to a number of other 
passages in the Bible. You know, if you, let's say you, we find a verse in Hosea that says something like, love is love. And we're like, oh, that's it. That's all we need. And if you're like reading the rest of Hosea, it's like, whoa, there this is, is way more being saying. said yeah. there, right? Because I've heard people do that with First John 4. They say, God is love. They're like, well, if God is love, that means he loves everyone. Sure. But did you read the rest of the passage? Because his love is defined by him dying for us to save us from our sins. Mm-hmm. And now that we've been saved from our sins, we treat one another with grace that's unapproachable. It doesn't make any sense to the rest of the world. And what you're trying to do is use God as love to mean I'm going to incorporate everything our culture is saying I'm gonna do whatever and make I want. it say yeah. what I want it to say. That is not what that verse is saying. Mm-hmm. You've missed it. Yeah. And so to, to dig into the context and to put it all together, you start to realize this beautiful scripture that we have is telling a beautiful story from beginning to end. And we have everything we need to be able to figure out what's saying. Yeah, it's true. And. And I mean, there have been times too where I, like, as I said, it's not, not everything is covered, obviously, but you still have a framework to work from, or I will come to conclusions and I will come to somebody that I trust. Usually that is older than me. I come to you often, Chris, and I will say, okay, this is what I'm, this is what I'm feeling or like thinking is, is true. Am I off base here? Mm. Because I also want to know, yeah, like, so, like, even after I've read and I've come to my own conclusions, I will still check with somebody to double check that, like, I'm still on the straight and narrow, you know, like that I'm right. not veering crazy with with my thoughts. Like, I still will go some, but go to somebody. Like, I'm still not doing this in isolation. And I think totally wanting make wanting to make sure to say that too. Yes, go check, make sure that it's true, but also check with somebody that you trust mm. after you've made your conclusions. Um, because it still isn't supposed to be done in isolation because you can then again skew things right. and think it's saying something that it's not. So, And that person should have a track record of wisdom. Yes. And if they're not showing it, then... Please don't go to them because you're not going to get wisdom. Amen. So hopefully that was helpful. So there you go, folks. Council Corner with Erica. Boom. Hosea 4. Hosea Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.